And welcome into a new episode of the Zero Technique Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Stern. You'll notice right now I am going solo, but that won't last very long. In a couple minutes, I'll be joined by a great lineup of back sports page writers because it is NFL draft time. Uh, the draft, uh, first round of the draft in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, comes tomorrow, 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we will have great coverage for you, so make sure you are subscribed to uh, to Back Sports page on Facebook, on uh, uh, YouTube as well. We will have great content, live streaming, uh, live reactions to each of the picks in tomorrow's first round. Uh, in just a few minutes, like I said, we have a lineup of great writers uh, from page. Before we get into that, we will talk a little bit about some uh, some of the, the trades that have happened since the last time we've been on the air. Uh, there were two big trades. Uh, first, uh, this past Friday, we had the Ravens and Chiefs agree to a trade where the Baltimore Ravens send Orlando Brown to Kansas City. Orlando Brown's very upset. He wanted to be the left tackle, but Baltimore was going to have Ronnie Stanley come back. They send him over to Kansas City. They get pick number 31 towards the end of the first round. Uh, they give up a second round, and then there's a couple other late, later round uh, picks that were swapped. Uh, to me, this was a great move for Kansas City. Uh, absolutely loved what they were able to do. We saw the uh, the troubles that that them in the school, where they just did not have the depth at the offensive tackle position. Uh, they did lose uh, both of their tackles this past offseason uh, with Eric Fisher, Eric Fisher, and Mitchell Schwartz, uh, both being released. So they definitely needed to upgrade that offensive line. They brought in Joe Tooney. Uh, to play guard. Now they get their left tackle with Orlando Brown. Uh, he, he played at a Pro Bowl level level last year. Absolutely love this move for Kansas City. This move does now give Baltimore leverage to move up into the draft should one of the wide receivers that they are coveting start to slip. Uh Right now, it's it's pretty clear that the wide receiver is the number one need for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and then earlier today, we saw a, a little bit of a quarterback shakeup where the uh, Carolina Panthers trade Teddy Bridgewater over to the uh, Denver Broncos for a sixth-round draft pick. To me, this only makes the quarterback – uh, the the teams that are going after quarterbacks in the first round even larger because I don't think that this necessarily takes the Broncos out of the running for a quarterback in the first round. And to me, this opens up another spot where I think Carolina can definitely go after a quarterback. They don't have a whole lot invested into Sam Darnold. They're waiting until after the draft to, to pick up their fifth year option. Uh, to see maybe maybe that means they're going after a quarterback at number eight. 
So what we'll see, uh, like I said, th this just makes things a little bit more stressful for the teams that are behind them, like New England at 15, Washington at 18, uh, 19, I'm sorry, and Chicago at 20. It's going to put pressure on them to maybe move up higher than they had originally expected. All right, so we are all set to uh, to welcome in the uh, the great lineup of back sports page writers uh, joining us first. He's out there on the West Coast. He's covering the Los Angeles Chargers. It's Jesse Zaragoza. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I, I think right now the, the the pretty clear top need for the Chargers is that offensive tackle. Yeah. To me, there there are a two clear top tackles in this draft with uh, with Sewell and Rayshon Slater. Uh, I'm going to tease my uh, my final mock draft. I actually have Rayshon Slater falling down to you guys at number 13, but in reality, I felt really bad making having him slip that far. I think he's too good of a player. If they do stand pat at number 13, do you think that maybe they go after, should the, the two top tackles be off the board? Um, do you think that maybe someone like a Christian Darius or, or Elijah Vera Tucker, or maybe they move up, or do they go into an, a different spot? Well, if they stay at 13, I would say they go with Darisaw because we do need that left tackle position because it is the most important position in football, guarding the quarterback's blind side. And we just let go of our last, our former left tackle, uh, Sam Tevy, but he wasn't really that good in my opinion. So we need to upgrade in that position. And uh, But if we do stay with the 13, I would say, yes, go with Christian Darisaw. But also, we, could, we, have a, we have a number of things we could do with the pick. We can go receiver, which is something we do need to go along with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. We need that speedster like a Tyreek Hill. So I can see Jalen Waddle being a perfect fit between those two. Uh, we could also go with defense, like J.C. Horn, one of the top uh, cornerbacks in the SEC. But my person, well, me personally, what I would love to see is for them to uh, to trade down and find a way to get Penesul because we've seen we've seen and heard both Sewell and Herbert talk about playing together with each other right. again. Yeah, uh, to me, tra yeah, trading up to to get someone like a, a Penesul and with all of the craziness that's going on at the top of this draft with, with all these quarterbacks, it's going to make somebody who deserved to be picked up in that top five fall down. And Penny Sewell is definitely one of those uh, guys that is, is in the running to, uh, to, to slip some. So I actually, I have him uh, slipping to number eight at Carolina. That's actually, that's only a five spot jump may not cost the, the chargers too much to, uh, to jump up. Yeah. I wouldn't mind them trading their spot and maybe a future pick or maybe a third round pick is if it, like I said, the left tackle position is the most important position and why not go with someone that where they could reunite and they have chemistry already together. Absolutely. That's where I see it. Absolutely. Um, looking down uh, as we go into the draft and to some of the later rounds, are there some of the, some players that you think the the Chargers could be targeting, or, or what positions do you think are absolutely necessary for them to upgrade? For sure, we do need a cor a cornerback, a young cornerback. 
because uh, at a corner cornerback position right now, all we have is uh, we have a rookie from last year. I can't remember. I can't recall his name. But we also have uh, an aging uh, Chris Harris. And also we just re-signed Michael Davis. But I don't think Michael Davis is a pure number one cornerback. So we need to get something new. We need to get something new, and especially like what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Their cornerbacks, the young, feisty, that's something we need in our system, especially with the secondary that we have. Yeah, and uh, I know the the key to that secondary is always going to be Derwin James. And yes. uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen him on the field as much as we would like to because when he is out on the field, he's an absolute difference maker. Yes, exactly. That's going to be a big, big key to next year was hooking him up with Brandon Staley because we saw what Brandon Staley did with Jalen Ramsey and that whole Rams defense took them from – I'm not sure what they were in 2019, but they're the number one defense in 2020. So I could see that big jump between the Chargers with team last year and this year. All right. Uh, why don't you uh, give our viewers uh, – just let them know about any uh, pieces that you have up on the site and where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, so my Twitter is going to be uh, at the real Jesse underscore Z. Uh, I usually talk about all things Los Angeles sports, whether it be Chargers, Lakers, or Dodgers. You can find me on Back Sports page uh, as one of the authors, and it's some good work for the Charger stuff. I usually just write about what I think my opinion on what the season is going to be like, players who are going to break out for the next upcoming season. Or, again, Penny Sewell coming to the Chargers. <laughs> All right, Jesse, thanks for a couple minutes and uh, looking forward to uh, to having you uh, with with, uh, with all the draft coverage. Thank you for Be having well. me. You too. Have a good one. All right. Joining us next is my boy, Marthony Sanders. What's going on? Oh, let me unmute you. Okay. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, how's there we go. Now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? All right, how's it going? Oh man, pretty good, man. Life, life is moving. Uh, I'm just actually out here uh, shopping right now. <laughs> All right. So the the we we sort of understand that the uh, obviously a, a lot is going to be made on who the 49ers pick at number three, but the real turn of the draft happens at number four with those Atlanta Falcons. I I keep hearing all these trade rumors about them, whether or not they're going to trade out of number four, uh, whether we're looking at a a post-June 1st trade of Julio Jones and how that may affect where where the Falcons go. First of all, what do you think the chances are that the Falcons are not picking at number four? When uh, when we come to about what eight forty five tomorrow night, uh, it's there's a chance. It's a very good chance that they might end up um, trading out of that number four spot and letting somebody else who may want to grab uh, someone that they're looking at on their board to go ahead and, and snatch them up at number four. But it's also a possibility that they just sit there and and they make the pick. Uh, this is probably the most <laughs> nerve-wracking and most confused I've ever been <laughs> for a draft for for this team in a long time. Like, I have, I mean, there's a thought, there's a there's a thought, and there's a way that you want them to go, but I really have no idea <laughs> where they could possibly go with this. Uh, I mean, because 
tra- trading back is definitely uh, something I would rather them to do and uh, go back and maybe get a get one of these defenders, get one of these corners probably, because um, that's where they'll be at later on in those positions. Um, but I mean, if they're going to stay there for um, the, the talk is that it's probably going to be Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Kyle Pitts. So uh, obviously the, the two ways that if they do stay at number four, the two biggest trends are taking either uh, an eventual replacement for Matt Ryan at, at quarterback or Kyle Pitts. If you're, you're the GM of, of the Atlanta Falcons and you can't move out of number four, which way are you going? Uh, me personally, I would take whatever quarterback um, San Francisco doesn't take because I'm still not even 100% if it's really between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. They could all be smoking mirrors with that, and they end up still taking Justin Fields. So um, if if Justin Fields is still there, I would go ahead and take him at four and just go ahead and uh, just have a replacement there already. already. Because uh, a lot of other fans are like, well, take Kyle Pitts. Arthur Smith has, the, you know, he does so well with the 12 personnel with the two tight ends. Um, and that's fine and dandy, but he also had a beast of a running back as Derrick Henry back there in the backfield. We don't have a Derrick Henry back there right now. So <laughs> the, the play action is cool. It, it can work. Uh, but I'm, I'm not for sure how certain – because if everyone wants to go with Kyle Pitts and want to do the whole – well, we can take what we can right now and win now what we have. But if you look at our division alone, that's where the, the champs are right now. And then the rest of the NFC, in in just in reality, how much are we really going to win? Like, I'm a fan, but I'm also a, real, a realist. Like, how much is right. it – how much winning are we really going to do? So, uh, what's the point of – I don't see the point of taking the Kyle Pitts right now uh, if – the, the stat line for Matt Ryan is 34 for 55 and it's four touchdowns, but we still lose 49 to 28. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, everyone, make sure you're following uh, Marthony on Twitter. He is at I am underscore M Sanders underscore. Uh, his mock draft and his. Uh, which conference did you do? It was uh, I, I the- did on the, uh, the ACC. And ACC best players at each position from the conference. Both of them will be up on the site uh, later on tonight, so make sure you're checking it out. Thanks for a couple minutes, Martha. And you be well. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Joining us now is the man, Tom Bennett. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, Ryan? How are we doing tonight? Oh, it's driving. We're it's less than twenty four hours. We are less than twenty four hours from from your Jets uh, ma- making you disappointed by by taking uh, Zach Wilson over uh, Justin Fields, right? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, so. Um, I've been doing a lot more reading up on Wilson though, so I can kind of talk myself into it now. Um, a lot more so than uh, when we were talking about him uh, when we were doing the mocks, but. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a little unfortunate, but I like I said, I could talk myself into it now. <laughs> so you you actually watched a little tape and you saw that he can make the throws at all the levels, and he's got better athleticism than you had thought. 
I mean, I I kind of had known all of this kind of going into it, and I watched his pro days. I watched the throw that everyone blew up on Twitter. Um, I, but I, I kind of looked a little more deeply into it than I had before. I felt like a lot of the stuff that I had like kind of heard about him was coming a lot from Justin and other negative chat boards uh, in the Jets comment sections on their posts. You, you, you can't let Justin do it to you because <laughs> Justin can, can talk anybody in, into submission. True. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I, I did a little more research. I, what I really did that kind of turned the tide for me was I was a huge Josh Allen fan coming out. I actually wanted the Jets to stay at six and take him instead of trading up for Darnold. Uh, we all know how that turned out, obviously. Um, but uh, I kind of looked at Zach Wilson's tapes and his pro day and kind of compared it to Josh Allen's uh, NFL Combine because that's really where I fell in love with Josh Allen. I, I watched the entirety of the 2018 Combine. Um, and I, like I said, I can kind of talk myself into it now. Obviously, he's not nearly as physically gifted as Josh Allen is, um, but definitely like I can see sort of a resemblance, which is nice. All right. So now the – we're, we we all know it, it's going to be Zach Wilson now. Probably the it, it's Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas Vegas <laughs> Vegas doesn't put minus five thousand uh, odds on some something that isn't going to happen. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, it's, <laughs> I right. can't argue with the math, bro. I mean, all right. So, so now now we we look at pick twenty three, and that that's going mm-hmm. to. That's a pick that the Jets can go in any multitude of directions. Which positions or players would you like to see them target uh, down down at that second pick in the in the round? Yeah, so I I kind of have looked at it and I'm like, okay, we're getting a new quarterback. Uh, they brought in Tevin Coleman as the running back to be paired with Michael P. Ryan, so I really don't like that. So my initial gut reaction is to say if Najee Harris is still on the board, uh, I'd love to take him right before the Steelers. Uh, makes makes it a little bit better knowing that they're targeting him 100%. Um, if, let's say, the Cardinals end up taking Najee Harris at 16 because too many corners went off the board, um, I'm not as comfortable taking ETN with the 23 pick anymore. Um, not Nothing – not not because I've watched film on him and I don't think he's good. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his and I like his skill set. But I, I think that that 23 pick is just a little too valuable considering a guy like Tevin Jenkins could still be on the board to pair with uh, Necky Becton. So those are the real two guys that I'm looking at. And then obviously in our mark, mock draft, uh, we had uh, your boy from Notre Dame, Kuromoa, Ousu Kuromoa, te- falling down there, which I would absolutely love. I feel like Salo would have a field day with him. Um, so yeah, those are really I mean, the three guys. Any, any team that takes Jeremiah Wosukomo is going to love him because he's a really damn good football player, and yeah. he can do so much. So, uh, And it would disgust me to see him wear that ugly green. I mean, you guys, you, the Giants, they could trade down if they really want. I don't know if they're going to jump the gun on that, but so I, in, uh, I'll, I'll tease my uh, my mock draft that my final mock draft that'll be up on backsportspage.com uh, later on tonight. My uh, I, I actually have Giants trading down, so uh, I have them trading Makes down sense. with with, uh, with Chicago number twenty. I have them jumping up. 
All, all right. right. All right. I like that. I like that trade. Yo, that's what it's all about. All right, Tom, uh, make sure you're following Tom on Twitter at THB315. Got great stuff going up. Make sure you're checking out his stuff on BackSportsPage.com. Thanks a lot, Tom, and uh, have fun. We'll uh, we'll talk during the draft. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow whenever all we get right. on. Be right. well. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. Next up on the docket, Ian Anderson out there in Seattle. How's it going, Ian? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ryan? Doing all right. So you're in a little bit of a, a different uh, predicament than uh, than most of the other guys that are coming on tonight. You don't have a whole lot of picks to, to talk about. Nope. Got a <laughs> whopping three picks this draft. So is, is this one of those times where because i think as well as seattle played last year there's still definitely holes that they need to fill yeah are we are we looking at at least one maybe multiple trade down scenarios to to pick up any uh, is that at least being talked about out there in the pacific northwest i'm not entirely sure um as as you kind of know uh seattle loves to trade down uh, yeah. specifically with first round picks, um, but we don't have one this year. Um, and so I think one thing that makes things interesting is this year more than most um, free agent, there have been, there are more free agents available on the market to be signed. Um, Richard Sherman as one of those prime names, for example. Uh, but I think that, Trading trading down is certainly an option. I would not be surprised at all if P. Caron John Schneider did it, but I do think keeping the pick is the better way to go. So if they do end up keeping that pick, which either position group or maybe or is there a specific player that, that you think uh, they, they could be targeting or what you would think fits what, uh, what Seattle's trying to do? Uh, okay, so I have three specific position groups that I want to target um, anything else, and I would be a bit disappointed. Um, I want to target center, wide receiver, and corner. I want one of those three. Um, and I, like I said, anything else, and I'd be a bit disappointed. So are, are there any specific players that, that fit what you think – uh, Seattle would because uh, they they always seem to run a very specific sort of uh, scheme that is different from everybody else's. Yeah. Um, in the center department, I really have my eyes on Creed Humphrey, yeah. the uh, center out of Oklahoma. I think what because we ended up re-signing Ethan Posick to a one-year deal. I think what um, Humphrey would be doing is he'd be sitting a year behind Posick, um, kind of learning the offense, figuring out all the stuff before he gets to go. Because honestly, as as maligned as the uh, Seahawks offensive line is, I think it's in a very good shape aside from the center position. Um, people don't talk enough about how solid Brandon Shell was last year before he uh, broke his right ankle. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw, Bucky Brooks actually had 
Creed Humphrey going in the mid twenties. They he had him going to the Jets at number twenty three, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, because I I I, th- I really like Creed Humphrey. I have him actually as my number one center ahead of uh, Dickerson out of Alabama. Yep. But I think the the NFL is going to look at especially the two thousand nineteen tape of. Uh, of Dickerson and fall in love with that tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think he'll end up being, I, I don't think either one of them go in the first round. Uh, I, agree so with you I, I think there's a pretty good chance that at least one of them will fall to you in the second, but the, there's a lot of talk going on out, out there about, uh, about Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Ian one, thank you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, Make sure you're following Ian at Ian's Sports Takes and check out uh, stuff that he's got going up at BackSportsPage.com. And as always, he, he'll uh, be a part of the, uh, the Zero Tech uh, going forward. Ian, be well and uh, won't talk to you tomorrow because uh, you, you guys <laughs> won't be picking tomorrow, but yeah. uh, de- definitely throughout the weekend. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. All right, be well. All right, next up on the docket is Shrey Thakar covering the Washington football team. How's it going tonight, Shrey? I'm doing well. How about you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, so Washington's sitting there at <laughs> with the dubious position of being the NFC's champions uh, with having the, the record that they had, yet they're picking there at number 19. Uh, they do bring in... Ryan Fitzpatrick to take over at quarterback. They do uh, have Taylor Heineke still there. What is the the future of what does Washington figure out their future quarterback in this year's draft? Or do you think that they have pieces to get them through this year? And maybe if they have a, a better pick next year, we're, we're looking at them going after one next year. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors surrounding Washington about trading up, maybe Trey Lance, maybe Justin Fields. But um, I think this year can be that bridge year. They have a really good roster. Um, and next year's draft isn't going to be the greatest. It isn't, it isn't projected to be the greatest for quarterbacks. But there's always going to be that guy who comes out of nowhere. This year, it's Zach Wilson. Yeah. Last year, it was Joe Burrow. So I think they could go this year. Uh, fill some needs because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's good enough for a bridge year. If you have good weapons around him, which I think we do with Logan Thomas, um, Terry McLaurin, obviously we signed Curtis Samuel. So I think we're going to go defense and I think we're going to uh, go ahead and pick up Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa um, out of Notre Dame. Um, I think he's a great fit. We don't have much on the linebacking courts. We, we struggle covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield. So I think um, Owosu Koromara, I mean, he's that hybrid Mark Barron type of um, player who can play safety and linebacker. But I think um, he's much better in coverage. That's something that held Mark Barron back from reaching his potential, that coverage ability. He can play in that nickel position. He can, he can play in nickel packages. They can put him in on third down. And I think he'll be really valuable for uh, – a weak linebacking core. Yeah, so he's sort of that that hybrid where he's 
smaller framed compared to most linebackers, but definitely larger framed compared to most safeties. I'm a Notre Dame fan. Mm -hmm. I got to watch this kid week in, week out. And no matter what you ask him to do on the football field, he does it well. Uh, He understands timing where he's a really good blitzer. Mm -hmm. And he covers wide receivers, too. It's it's not just tight ends that he was covering in, in college. He he covers slot corner mm-hmm. uh, slot wide receivers. Uh, it, it would upset me dearly as a Giants fan to see uh, <laughs> Jeremiah Wusukormoa, uh down there in Washington. Yeah, and like the size concerns, yeah, they're there, but I think he'll bulk up obviously in NFL weight rooms and behind such a great defensive front, you've got Chase Young, you have a lot of playmakers on that defensive line. I think they do need that playmaker on the second and third level because they had they didn't force a lot of interceptions um, with their secondary last year. I think he can be that guy who can, who can be in the middle of the defense and force a lot of turnovers, make a lot of splash plays. It's the first round, which either position groups or maybe a specific player do you think uh, or would you like to see Washington target uh, as we go into day two, possibly even early day three? I think definitely. um, We picked up Eric Flowers yesterday, so I thought that was a really great move. He resurrected his career at the guard position for for Washington two years ago. So I think um, the inside of the line is pretty much set, but I think – Addressing the left tackle spot is huge. We did not get the production we needed last year from our left tackle. So I think maybe day two, second round, Trey Smith, who's been falling in a lot of mocks, I think he would be a great um, high upside pickup for us, for sure. All right. So uh, why don't you give uh, let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter and some of the pieces that you have going up on BackSportsPage.com. Yeah, for sure. So I've been covering a lot of the Big Ten on BackSportsPage. I've been putting out a lot of scouting reports, and I just recently posted um, uh, the best prospect by position in the Big Ten. And you can find me on Twitter at Shrey21. S-H-R-E-Y-Y-21, and um, I've been putting up a lot of content there. Um, I'm excited for the future um, at Backsports page, and um, I'm excited for the draft tomorrow. It's about to be crazy. Um, I think this is the most hyped draft in a while, so I'm really excited for tomorrow. Yeah, especially after the year that everyone had and what the draft that we had last year mm-hmm. where the completely virtual, I think the fact that – especially even when you're looking at it compared to what we saw last year uh, or a couple months ago with the Super Bowl, this is going to be a really big party. We're starting yeah. to see a lot of the country being vaccinated. So start, things, people, right, things are starting to open and they're expecting a decent sized crowd out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it really is going to be great for the morale of football fans yeah. to be such an open uh, party uh, party this weekend. It's definitely going to be a great event. And I'm excited for Cleveland. They don't get many events like this. It's going to be great for Cleveland and the whole city. It is. All right, Trey, thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely be, uh, be talking throughout the draft. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You Have got a- it. All right, joining us now is special guest. He is with the Daytona Beach News Journal. Uh, He covers all things uh, football down there. Uh, He is also a a pretty big Giants fan like myself. 
Uh, he is Chris Boyle. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How you doing, Ryan? We're doing well. We're doing well. All right. So the the team that I wanted to have you on uh, to talk about uh, is a team that really had a a lot of keys to what and ends up happening throughout the draft, and that's the the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we've already seen them move a couple times uh, throughout the, the the pre-draft process. They they now sit at number six, number eighteen, and a lot of what they can do, they may look to move up again. We'll see how, how that happens, but we're looking at number six, and obviously the the two names that we hear linked to, or I guess three names, three names that we hear linked to. Miami most often, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell. What are we looking at in terms of how Miami is ranking any of these three players? Well, I think they're hopeful that the first two guys you uh, mentioned there make it down the board. I mean, it's interesting to me that they traded out of controlling their own destiny for a yeah. skill position player uh, when they could have easily sat there at three and taken whoever they wanted they, they appeared to be in prime position to do that but then again when you are offered multiple first round picks to move down and then you can still have the option to move back up it's kind of a hard proposition to build that that level of capital um for future drafts and to continue building this thing from the ground up um i think there's another name that i would throw in the mix for this and, and that's gonna be jalen waddle I, I really think i think that especially if Pitts and and Chase are gone four and five in whatever order you want to put them in. I think Jalen Waddle's speed really is a nice complement to uh, Devontae Parker, to Mike Gesicki, able to getting getting open down in the slot. Uh, and Will Fuller, of course, is starting the year with a suspension and is only on a one-year contract. So I'd be willing to throw his name into the mix, too. It's a fundamental question that both the Bengals and the Dolphins face, if you ask me. They, they, it's the exact same question that they're both going to have to answer. What's better for our young quarterback, to give him a weapon or to give him protection? I, I'm always a believer that it's hard to find really skilled big people um, that can block and, and can uh, pass protect at a, at a high proficiency level. So if it's me, I, I, I might lean Sewell, but I think the Dolphins have, have made it pretty clear that they want to get – uh, extra playmakers on the field for, for Tua Tagovailoa and to really evaluate whether or not he's going to be the answer. Because if not, they have all of these first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 with which to work with. So now we're looking a little bit further down the line. And, uh, and I, I guess one of the, the more head-scratching moves, and I, believe me, as – Giants fans, we know about the uh, the uh, shortcomings, should we say, of Eric Flowers, and uh, Miami was able to deal him back to Washington, uh, which now opens up another spot on that offensive line. Uh, if they end up going with a pass catcher there at number six or wherever they may end up, is number 18 a foregone conclusion that it's going to be somewhere on the offensive line? I wouldn't say a foregone conclusion because there's good depth in this tackle class. Um, a lot of guys that can potentially kick inside or play on the right side. They do have a, a pick very early in the third in the uh, second round uh, with which to work. They've got two second rounders again, thanks to the uh, 
the Houston trade with Laramie Tunsil. So I wouldn't necessarily rule out a potential um, play at, at, a, at an offensive lineman with that early second. Um, it, it's going to be about the value on the board. If Elijah Vera Tucker's there, if Christian Derrissaw is there, if, um, you know, let's say if somebody slides that we don't expect or if there's if they really are high on one of the other players, Cosme or Raddins or any number of the other tackles, sure, they can, they can make a play there at 18. And I also wouldn't rule out linebacker. I think that's where you start to get into the, uh, to the area where that becomes a position of need and a position of value, whether you look at uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora of, uh, of Notre Dame or Jameen Davis of Kentucky or uh, if Micah Parsons happens to fall because of character concerns off the field or uh, having opted out, there, there's a possibility that he could be there in the middle of the first round. And, and I think most of us probably assume he's about a, a top 10 player uh, without much question in terms of pure ability. So, again, I think you're, they're going to let the board play, and they do have some needs. I also think what would be an intriguing fit for them in the linebacker spot, maybe um, if if they elect to go offensive line in round number one with that 18th pick, could be Zabin Collins out of Tulsa. He reminds me very much of a of a Patriot style linebacker, the ability to 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 stand up or to come off the edge and and drop into coverage as well. He had a number of interceptions for Tulsa. I think he's a really solid player, and I think could easily go on night one. If he's not, he's going to be one of the best players available on night two. Yeah, and we all saw that in Miami. This uh, and I guess that one of the more surprising moves to me uh, was the release of Kyle Van Noy. And I think that Kyle Van Noy is a very decent comp to someone like a Zayvon Collins. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. And again, they've, they've maximized the linebacker spot in that scheme. So being able to have a lot of different tools in the bag, I think he's the kind of player that, that fits that uh, mentality and fits that defense to a T. So if he's there, you know, the end of night one or beginning of night two, I think the Dolphins would be in, in good shape to look at him as well if they don't address linebacker in round one. All right, looking down maybe past that that second round, so late day two into day three, which position groups do you think Miami needs to solidify uh, in terms of depth? Because I think they actually have one of the more uh, complete rosters. I mean, they, they had – one of the better turnarounds an NFL team could have last year. Uh, I, I really do like their roster. Uh, where do they need to add some depth uh, as we get later on into the draft? Well, I think running back is definitely an area that the fans have cried out for. They've, they've right. wanted a, a, an every down back. They, they rotated through a number of players last year, but they had success with virtually anyone they put out there. You look at Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed and, kind of down the line they were able to pick guys up that nobody really knew about and they were able to uh, get them going for uh, 100 yards in a clip so i think if you look at it you know javante williams in round two would be an interesting fit maybe if travis Etienne. i, I don't think Najee harris is, is going to go that early i don't see him going 18th and i don't think that uh he'll make it to round two so i don't really see that as a possibility but i, I think that's an area that that could certainly stand an upgrade and a more solidified answer on the depth chart. Um, you know, quarterback, I don't think they're going to add anyone in the draft, but it, it certainly would have a good, be in uh, the best interest of the Dolphins to make sure they've got a, a really good insurance policy behind Tagovailoa with Fitzpatrick now in Washington. And the other thing I think for, for me is, 
is the offensive line. You know, I think they have to come away with at least one, perhaps two offensive linemen. They, they brought in a few last year and Robert Hunt and, uh, and Austin Jackson, the first rounder out of USC. I think center is definitely somewhere they think they could stand to upgrade. And, and now with Eric Flowers out of the picture, they've got a, a hole at left guard too. All right, let's uh, let's change our focus over to now our team, uh, with the uh, the New York Giants, and all right, I'm putting you in Dave Gettleman's shoes. What a scary looking at look, <laughs> looking at this realistically, who is the the atop your wish list for the the New York Giants? Should they stand pat at number eleven? Well, I think you can take the word should out of that. They've never, Dave Gettleman has never traded down. The Giants as an organization haven't made a trade down since 2005. So I don't, or yeah, 2005. So I don't expect that they're going to go anywhere. They, they tend to let the board fall as it may and take the best guy on their board. So I, I don't think that philosophy is going to change overnight unless they're absolutely bowled over by someone in search of a quarterback. Uh, to me, I think, the player that probably tops my list is, you know, I would say, of course, like Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase oh. are, are at the top of my list, but they're not going to be there. Let's let's be right. honest. They're not going to make it to 11. I think had Adore Jackson not signed for such a big amount of money, I think Patrick Sertan II and J.C. Horn would have been two really interesting opportunities there for the Giants to find a long-term running mate for James Bradbury at a position in need at a, at a high position of premium in this modern NFL. And uh, to, to answer a question that's kind of consistently been there, they, they rotated through guys last year. You look at Yadam and Ryan Lewis, who they've since waived and they just never had a, a, a solid number two starter, but Adore Jackson, I think kind of fills that void for me. I think Devonte Smith, I think realistically Devonte Smith could be there at 11. I, I mean, it's going to be a matter of how much teams allow the, the, the build, the frame to play into their mind. I think he's a guy that can get open just about any time he wants. And he can line up inside, line up outside. It gives Daniel Jones the playmaker that, that, that this offense is calling for. They just didn't have guys that could separate last year. And now with Galladay able to take a top off of a defense, Shepard able to work exclusively underneath, and Smith able to create separation, they should create windows for Daniel Jones to throw accurate balls into. If there's one thing he does well, it is deliver an accurate ball, especially down the field. So they have to, you have to have an opportunity to see what he's all about. If they look defense, I think Micah Parsons would top my board. I think he's a guy that's got a lot of versatility, um, Patrick Graham's defense is certainly they, there wasn't much of an answer next to, to Blake Martinez inside last year. And I also think that there is a lot of pass rush, uh, pass rush potential with Parsons. He was recruited as a defensive end. Yep. So he's got that ability to get around the edge, to blitz, to play out on the outside on third down and not be more than just an off ball linebacker. And I think if you're going to take a guy 11th like that, then he's got to be able to get get to the quarterback at a competent level, and I think he is able to do that. I, I think that he's one of those guys that in base sets you can play him inside right next to Blake Martinez. In subsets you can put him there on the outside and just have him go after the quarterback. Uh, I do think he needs to improve in the coverage game. 
a little bit, but there that's not going to be what you're asking Micah Parsons to do play in play out. No. And, and I think as far as the edge uh, classes concerned, you know, you're, you're kind of asking questions of just about any of those guys between Quiddy pay, Jason Owe, all the way down the line. Ojolari. Can these guys do, be more than just consistently getting the quarterback or can they translate physical tools into on-field production in the case of, say, Jason Owe, um, who they've scouted heavily at Penn State. But with Parsons, there's not a question as to what he can do at the inside linebacker spot. And then you have that potential that he could also be more than that and be a guy that can come around the edge and, and make quarterbacks' lives miserable too from multiple spots. And so uh, last one from me and – you can't talk about a New York Giants draft without talking about the potential of upgrading that offensive line. Uh, to me, the number one uh, player atop my Giants wish list is Rayshon Slater. Uh, I, I do think that they did enough in free agency to give Daniel Jones different weapons that can do different things in terms of Galladay. Uh, bringing in a reclamation project with John Ross, and then you have the the sure hands uh, with with Kyle Rudolph. I do think they did enough to to suffice for this year, but you need help on, on that offensive line. So uh, Rayshon Slater is a top. Should they decide to go a, a different way, like a, a wide receiver or some like a Micah Parsons, who are we looking at? in uh, potentially day two uh, for the Giants to pick up to to beef up that offensive line? It sounds kind of tired to harp on Joe Judge's Alabama connections. I'm uh, frankly a little bit sick of it. They're not going to they're not going to recruit the, the, the Crimson Tide to the NFL. I mean, everybody wants Alabama players. I mean, there's there's some sort of connection just about everywhere you look now. Um, but I do think Landon Dickerson is interesting uh, as, a, as a center. I think that's where they really need to upgrade is that, is that left guard potentially in center because Shane Lemieux just couldn't block at, at a proficient level in pass protection last year. His metrics were among the worst in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus last year. Uh, Nick Gates got better as the year went on. And he's still adjusting to a new position, so I am willing to give him another opportunity but I think you want to find a more natural fit you have to give a I think you have to be a little patient with the tackles you have two guys you spent high draft picks on last year Andrew Thomas fourth overall Matt Parrott with a third round pick who I thought played relatively well when given opportunities last year they're long they're long armed they're big guys that should be able to protect an edge and I think Parrott if you allow him to play extra snaps this year and make Nate Solder the swing option, I think you're okay at tackle. I really do. I, I think it's um, an, a, a, a position that I'm not immediately looking to upgrade because you've got youth, if nothing else. You've got an opportunity for these guys to grow and reach that potential and take an, uh, another step towards um, becoming legitimate NFL starters and potentially in the case of Thomas, hopefully a cornerstone at one of the more important positions in football. But Will Hernandez comes into the last year, his contract, and was on the bench the second half of last year. I mentioned Lemieux struggles. You know, they, they, they let go of Kevin Zeitler. Uh, they only brought in Zachary Fulton as a replacement on a short deal. 
I think the guard position has really got to be the focus. If you're, if you're going to talk about the, the offensive line, I think it starts there. Chris, well, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes tonight. Why don't you let our viewers and listeners know where they can find your work and where they can find you on social media? Sure. I'm part of the USA Today Network down in Florida, helping out with uh, a number of different things, primarily high school uh, sports coverage and football coverage. Uh, we actually wrote a piece earlier today analyzing uh, for Florida viewers uh, which high schools have the most potential guys in this draft. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Chris Boyle DBNJ. Uh, that's the best place to catch me. And you know, hopefully we won't be uh, throwing <laughs> throwing things at the screen this year and uh, <laughs> lamenting the day that we were born. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's interesting. It's just been it's just been such an, uh, an unpredictable few years for the Giants. I mean, you look back at Saquon Barkley, the fact they actually took a running back second in the year of our Lord 2018. And then they surprised everyone with Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas was, you know, a player that I think some people thought would go that high at the start of the year, and then he faded, and then yeah. you know, drafted him fourth when you know maybe two, three other tackles were linked to them in the draft process. I genuinely don't know what to expect. It's exciting, but it's also terrifying. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for joining us, second year in a row. Uh, we'll definitely be staying in touch. Be well, my friend. All right, you too. Thank you very much. All right, now. Welcoming into the show, back to the great lineup of BackSportsPage.com writers. We got Patrick Yen. How you doing tonight, Patrick? Um, I'm doing great, and yeah, the show is looking really good. That was that was some really riveting stuff you guys just talked about, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Chris is great. Uh, was able to uh, to get in contact with him last year through uh, through an NFL draft page on uh, on Facebook, and and we just really clicked. And it was uh, he. For the the site that for the USA Today, uh, he actually held a seven round mock draft with thirty two different people as the as the GMs, and so he 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 said that as a Giants fan, so he took the Giants. So I was actually able to draft for the Raiders. It was a, a real fun experiment. So, but let's uh, let's switch over. You got the Philadelphia Eagles. You guys are sitting right behind us uh, at number 12. What are we looking at uh, for for the Eagles there? Honestly, there's a lot of different things I think the Eagles can be looking at. I mean, when you go 4-11-1, it's not like your roster is stacked, right? There's a <laughs> lot of different ways you can go. Um, personally, you know, I'm, I'm always back and forth on the trade that they made. Obviously, they were 6. They moved down to 12. And, you know, it, it just sucks to miss out on a guy like a Jamar Chase or a Kyle Pitts, right? Especially when your receivers can really use some work. Um, there's been quite a few misses for the Eagles at, at that position recently. But honestly, I think they're going to go something like wide receiver or cornerback. I think cornerback might be a little bit more likely here. Um, if they go wide receiver, I mean, either the Alabama guys, it's hard to go wrong. I think something that Howie Roseman has been criticized a lot is that he doesn't get these SEC guys, right? He kind of just – he's trying to outsmart everybody. You get the Pac-12 guys. You get the small school um, guys, you know, North Dakota State. I think my camera just broke. Sorry about that, guys. But, um, yeah, I think that that it's it's just too common. So it just play it safe. Go with one of the Alabama guys, Devonta Smith. I mean, just, what, two, three months ago when the college football playoffs ended – um, it was like, oh, should he or Jamar Chase be the first wide receiver off the board? Now, three months later, you're thinking you can get him at 12. If you get him at 12, it's kind of a steal, right? Yeah, uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, 
and a lot has to do with the fact that the uh, NFL was becoming a little bit more aware of his actual size. And we saw his, uh, his at the uh, medical rechecks out there in Indianapolis. He was actually smaller than we had expected. He comes in at a whopping six foot tall and 166 pounds. So uh, I, I do have a feeling because, and I know you get the, the people who say, oh, look at Mar- Marvin Harrison. Yeah, Marvin Harrison is the exception. He's not the rule. Uh, but if there is anyone that can be another exception, it's going to be Devonta Smith. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, you just, he put together, you know, possibly the greatest wide receiver season of all time in the SEC. That being said, there is some risk there. And I mean, if you miss on Devonta Smith again, I think Howie Roseman might be murdered in the streets of Philadelphia, but Jalen Waddell is another guy, right? I mean, he missed a lot of the season, uh, this last college season due to injury, but I mean, before the season and the first two games, he he was the he was Devonta Smith before Devonta Smith, right? right? He was just doing absolutely amazing. Either one of those guys you're happy with, and then if they go cornerback, sticking with the Alabama boys, I mean Patrick Sertain, um, maybe he'll go earlier, uh, but there's a chance he falls to twelve. Not a bad pick there either. And then obviously the other big cornerback prospect that's that's projected to go in the first round is J.C. Horn. Um, personally, I'm a little bit more of a fan of Horn. Uh, I like these athletic guys that I know, you know, just, they just need a little bit more experience, a little bit, a little bit more coaching, but they're never going to get beat athletically. Sertain didn't test bad per se, but Sertain, there's something about him that just makes me feel like he's, he's a guy that's rising up because there's no one else in the, in the cornerback department. Yeah. And you, you look at, they're sort of benefiting from the, the major collapse of, uh, of Caleb Farley, who's mm-hmm. just uh, who, who can't seem to stay healthy, and now uh, we find out today that he tested positive for uh, COVID and won't be there at the draft. So uh, ju- just another uh, chink in the armor for uh, for Caleb Farley. Patrick, want to thank you for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, let the uh, let viewers know where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm at PN117 on, on Twitter. And obviously, you know, my writing's on Backsports page. I'm mostly a 76ers guy there. But Ryan, thank you so much for, for having me on and, and good luck with the rest of the show, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Now bringing on to the show, we got Alexis Rodriguez. He's down there uh, covering the Cowboys. How's it going, bud? Going good. How about yourself? Doing all right. All right. So now you guys are sitting right at, right ahead of us. You're at number 10. Yeah. And I know you, you there's all these talks that, that Jerry Jones is infatuated with Kyle Pitts. I just think it's going to cost them too much when they have too many holes on defense uh, to, to warrant going up and, and going after him. If the Cowboys do hang Pat at, at number 10, I mean, the, the name that we hear all the time is Patrick Sertain uh, out of Alabama. Is that what you're hearing down there locally as well? It seems like, um, well, there's been some talk lately about uh, the Cowboys kind of moving more towards man uh, coverage instead of zone, instead of the cover three. So it, that's a bit more talk, which is kind of getting people towards J.C. Horn. 
Um, but I think still it's, it, there's been chatter about, it seems very back and forth between who's the better cornerback. Some people are really going for horn. Some people are going for certain there's belief that, uh, that the scouts are more uh, towards a certain boat, whereas the coaching staff or, uh, maybe the, the ownership or the front office is more towards JC horn. Uh, it, it really depends on what they want. It really depends on if they want the, the tenacity, the athleticism and the physical, you know, the physicalness of of horn whereas certain is more of a composed polished player you know what you're going to get from him uh they were worried about his athleticism but i guess at his pro day he kind of showed out a little bit he showed what he what he's capable of so there's not much worry there I, some people it's more of a safe pick with certain whereas more of a ceiling pick with horn it's been like a pendulum man it's been back and forth i mean i don't really know what to expect honestly tomorrow <laughs> so another glaring need for the Cowboys is at edge rusher. And I think mm -hmm. both of us are in uh, the same corner that 10 and even with the giants at 11 that who are also in need of an edge rusher, it's just too early for, for any of these guys, the real value I think for the edge rushers begins in the late teens um, is a trade back uh, something that's being talked about or is edge rush edge rusher something that they're going to look to maybe address on day two it, it seems like there's been a lot of talk there's been some talk about trading back uh especially with, with depending on who's on the board at the moment um especially if there's quarterbacks and and you know the bears or the Patriots can come calling somebody that that could offer a good deal um there's been talk about that i've heard some some chatter i've also heard chatter more along the lines that the cowboys are are more inclined to trade up into the into the late first round uh from their second round pick because they really like people like zayvon collins i've heard zayvon collins a lot that's the name that's been floating around a lot for the past few weeks they seem to really like zayvon collins they like his skill set it, it would be interesting if they do trade up if they go defense and defense i don't know if 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 they go with Kyle Pitts and then, or Penny Sewell, you know, the 10 pick and then go defense, I would expect them to go corner, probably Caleb Farley uh, at the end of the first round, or if he falls to them in the second, because it seems that they have a really high grade on guys like Sertain, Horn, uh, Pitts, obviously, and uh, Zayvon Collins. I think they view Zayvon Collins as a very high, he's, he's probably on the one of the top guys on their board. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on social media and uh, the stuff you got going up at BackSportsPage.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I'm BabyBull214 on Twitter and AlexisJRod3925 on Instagram. Uh, just do MMA and, uh, you know, I'm always uh, we're looking to write MMA, so i always be on the lookout for that. I, uh, I I apologize, Justin. I know Justin's waiting in the lobby, but if you're an MMA guy, I, we got to talk about what, what happened this weekend for, for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I mean, th this was sort of uh, – I, I just had mental flashbacks to Anderson Silva uh, yeah. from, from a couple years ago. Um, but what really – I mean, what got to me was uh, – Paul's reaction to it, mm -hmm. where he looked almost sick to his stomach about watching what was unfolding in front of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it, for a lot of fans at that moment. It, it, you, 
you, you're even if you've seen it before a few times, you're still automatically disgusted. You're you you feel so much sorrow for the guy that happened, especially Chris Weidman, uh, right. who's known to be an upstanding guy, and who who, who that happened to to his opponent. You know, I want to say uh, eight years ago uh, against you know Anderson. So yeah, man, it, it was an incredibly bitter moment to just swallow and to watch. You know, I mean, and Uriah Hall's reaction was was visceral. It was raw. You can tell he was feeling terrible, and, and the fact that he said that no matter what his ranking is, no matter if he goes on a winning streak or he has the belt, he wants to give Weidman that chance, which just speaks a lot about him as well. At the one UFC event that I did attend live, Chris Weidman was actually the uh, the, the main event uh, at, uh, at Nassau Coliseum up here in Long Island against oh, yeah. Kevin Gastelum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, being at an event was just, it, I, I love hockey. As hockey is my favorite sport to watch live. Going to a UFC event was unlike anything I ever been to. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's a different atmosphere, it, yeah. especially when you have like a hometown guy like you know like Weidman and and, and Nassau right. Coliseum. It, it's a it's a huge and crazy atmosphere. Yeah, I feel you. All right, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll be it. in touch. Sounds good. And joining us, the the final, he, he is bringing up the rear. He is the caboose of this train that that is called the nfl draft special for the zero technique football podcast justin brownlow what's going on my man what's up man how you doing all right so uh cleveland you're you're finally not picking in in the top couple picks you're you're all the way down at 26 and are you guys now salivating that caleb farley is falling down all these boards I'm not. I I, 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 there's three things I think they're going to do. Um, I think if any of the three corners in Newsom, Sertain, or Horn somehow, somehow get past the Colts at 21, they're going to do whatever they can to get move up and get, grab one of those guys. Um, if they stand still, I, I lose the It looks like he's going to be off the board. All the corners are off the board. It cha- I changed my focus to a wide receiver. Uh, I think they go with Terrace Marshall. Um, uh, but I, I also think if if I think they're more than likely over anything, I think they're going to trade back. Really is, is okay. So how is that? I mean, Cleveland, you guys finally get the draft. You guys finally have a pick. Not in the and by trading back, are you talking about trading out of the first round? Uh, I think that's what they would do. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, I, that, I, I mean that, that would that would kill the the fan I, base well, out there. Well, it's similar to what happened after Baker's uh, rookie year when the Browns didn't have a first-round pick, and they took they traded up to get Greedy Williams in the second round, I believe, right. or maybe he just fell to them. So it's similar to that. So, and also, I'm out on Caleb Farley. I don't need another injured defensive back <laughs> roaming um, around there. Um, but yeah, I think if they stay there, it's it, it, you have to take a wide receiver. There's going to be too many good ones there. And uh, I think they could trade out of the back. Um, in uh, me and Tom's podcast in our last mock, if the Giants want to trade back, I that could be a spot where the Browns would love to trade up to because um, that means basically you get Sertain or Horn, most likely who falls. So, uh, But that's going to take a lot to do, and I doubt they want to mortgage uh, one corner on the, the, the future of the uh, team. So, 
Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about from 26 down to so I, I I'm such a nerd. I actually have the the trade value chart up here right now. So you're looking at 700 points all the way up to 1250. Uh, yeah, you're probably looking at a, a three this year and next year's and one, and which is why I wish they could trade up in the early 20s because I think they could get buy with that if by just giving away maybe a third and a second next year because we have three pick we have two picks in the third round so i don't hate giving one away but yeah i think the 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 whole build up to the draft has it's just fallen the not the right way for the browns this year uh, i mean the cornerbacks are skyrocketing up the board and that's really the truly the one need so what are you gonna do give me a percentage chance of Odell Beckham being on the Cleveland roster week one? I would say 95. Yeah. Um, I, I, I I actually wrote a piece today. Um, all the rumors are that uh, Belichick or Belichick wants to get rid of Gilmore. And I wrote an article today saying they should not include Odell Beckham in a trade for Gilmore. Um, because a, I don't think Bill Belichick really wants Odell um, and B because it's just, it, you can't mess up that th the three wide receivers. And everyone wants to talk about how Baker's better without Odell. I mean, he still draws double teams, so it's going to help no matter what. So, Justin, well, thank you so much for a few minutes tonight. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be in touch tomorrow. Should the, uh, the Browns not trade out of the first round? Absolutely, man. I uh, appreciate it. You guys have a good night. Be well. That is the great Justin Brownlow. Uh, make sure you are checking out all of his stuff up at backsportspage.com. Uh, for the last couple minutes of the show, going to tease my top 10 for my final mock draft. Uh, obviously, number one is not going to be a big surprise. We got Trevor Lawrence uh, becoming the new face of football down there in Jacksonville. Number two, we talked with, uh, with Tom Bennett. Uh, they're, they're taking Zach Wilson, uh, the quarterback out of BYU. Here's where it gets fun. San Francisco. I think they're going to shock us all. It's going to be Trey Lance. I think they, if they are able to hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo from a salary, uh, standpoint, uh, they're able to give Trey Lance a little bit of time to develop into the quarterback that I think he can be. I, I, I happen to love Trey Lance. At number four, I have a trade. I have the Dolphins trading up uh, with the Atlanta Falcons uh, going from six to four. I have Miami trading away a third-round pick, which is number 81 this year, and a third-round pick next year uh, to get up to number four, and they take Kyle Pitts. Uh, a lot of people have Kyle Pitts as the best pass catcher uh, or the best player in this draft. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase, a wide receiver out of LSU. He is the uh, prototypical alpha wide receiver in this draft. The Falcons trade from four to six. And they pick up a cornerback. They're going to go after Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. Uh, I still do think that it is a little too high for a defensive pick, but uh, 
it's the spot that they need to improve at the most. Uh, although a quarterback would not surprise me at all. Uh, number seven, I have another trade. I have the New England Patriots trading up with the Detroit Lions. I have them giving up number 15, number 46, which is their second round pick, and number 188, which is their fifth round pick. Uh, for number seven to Detroit, and they go after Justin Fields. Uh, the the talk over the past week has been that Justin Fields is the guy that New England is tra- is uh, going after, uh, that they're targeting. So I have them making a big move, uh, jumping up eight spots, and ahead of two teams that I think are very well apt to uh, to taking a quarterback in the Panthers and Broncos. Uh, I do have the Carolina Panthers getting the Penny Sewell, uh, who, uh, I mean, I, I have Penny Sewell at number three overall on my big board. I love what he brings to a team. Uh, just pure physicality. Uh, he's got great feet. I think he, he is a prototypical left tackle. Uh, number nine, the Denver Broncos. I have them taking Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. And at number 10, I have the Cowboys taking J.C. Horn. Uh, we talked with Alexis earlier today, and he was saying that he thinks J.C. Horn is actually a better fit for the Cowboys defense than a Patrick Sertain. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you to the great staff of BackSportsPage.com who – uh, a bunch of them gave me a, a couple minutes. We had Jesse Zaragoza, Martha e. Sanders, Tom Bennett, Ian Anderson, Trey Thakar, Patrick Yan, Alexis Rodriguez, and Justin Brownlow. Make sure you're checking out all of their great stuff going up at BackSportsPage.com. Uh, my mock draft, my final mock draft, will be up in just a little bit. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at rstern33. Uh, and check out my stuff, like I said, up at BackSportsPage.com. That's where you can find all of my content. Uh, BackSportsPage is on all social media at BackSportsPage. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you're clicking that bell. We got great stuff coming up for the the draft. Make sure you are checking out our live streams. Uh, We're going to have live reaction videos Uh, going up for each of the picks in the first round, uh, about every 10 or 15 picks on day two, and after every round on day three. Uh, Again, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Have a – enjoy the draft. Have a great one. 